And just like that, Media Day is in the books, as well as the first couple of practices for your Sacramento Kings. And before you know it, the 2019-20 regular season will be upon us. Welcome into the latest edition of the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by HoopBall and the HoopBall Podcast Network. I am Damian Barling. Thank you so much for downloading, streaming, and thank you so much for listening. If you're a subscriber, greatly appreciate it. You'll never miss a single episode. Uh, If you're new to the podcast here, hope you dig what you're listening to. If you do, uh, make sure you hit the five-star review there, particularly if you're on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. And if you got an extra 60 to 90 seconds... Leave us a nice little review. Let us know that you're digging what we're doing. And if you want to get caught up, we've got plenty of past episodes uh, that'll get you ready for the regular season. But as we've noted, we've we've got actual basketball content to talk about. No more hypotheticals. No more, how is this going to work? How is that going to work? What is Luke Walton's approach going to be? What is De'Aaron Fox going to do? How is Marvin Bagley going to approach? None of that. It's all over. Like, we've got practices now here that we could talk about. And uh, all of the Sacramento Kings and the coaching staff Uh, was in front of the media for the very first time this past Friday for Sacramento Kings Media Day. And it's it's worth noting as as we start here with with Luke Walton, it was the first time since Luke Walton's introductory press conference that he had been in front of the media. And, I mean, we all know why. Uh, There's sexual assault allegations and a civil suit hanging over him. And we have dissected that kind of the the best that we could in, in a previous episode. But and, and he did address that. He was asked about it. He was asked about the civil suit and kind of the transition from 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 L.A. to Sacramento and the different things that he was dealing with. And De'Aaron Fox was asked about it. Various players were asked about it. And it's I don't feel like it's going to linger over the season because now that Luke Walton has been in front of the media, it you know, we're all smart enough to know it's not something that he can actively talk about. So. They got the initial questions out of the way, and I think that that's it, uh, at, at least for now. I, I think that's the end of any, and I'm not saying that, that that's right or it's wrong. I'm just, there. there's a, a legal proceeding that's got to play itself out, and any media member knows that that's not something that Luke Walton can talk about. He addressed it for the very first time, which was, you know, he addressed it in that he can address it, and he just said, I'm here to coach the team. Uh, Vlade hired me for a job. This front office hired me to do a job, and I'm, I'm I'm here to do it. And I think that's the exciting part for the Sacramento Kings and for the Sacramento Kings fan base because it was clear once all of that stuff got out of the way, once once we got past the initial questions, because the Kings front office and ownership group and you know, everybody above Luke Walton and the organizational tree, they really did do a good job of once this once this. Uh, allegation came to light and once the investigation began and this legal proceeding started happening, they did a good job of not, you know, thrusting Luke Walton into the spotlight. That would have been a bad look for everybody. It would have been a bad look for the Kings would have been a bad look for Luke Walton, Uh, but they allowed the investigation to play out. And now there's a legal proceeding, I guess that's going to have to play out. But it, this past Friday was kind of our first opportunity to get a to, to to get a feel for what Luke Walton actually wants with with this team because there were so many questions about well Luke Walton and Aaron Bruski noted this on our first episode of the Sacramento Kings podcast together was you know Luke Walton's kind of the wild card in this we we think we know how he's going to coach we know you don't want a coach coming in to the situation that you have with this group of Sacramento Kings and trying to change what worked and we know what worked last year and and their pace worked. Their pace worked to the sense where it started getting attention 
You know, when Dwayne Wade start, started talking about how fast the team was and Eric Spolstra and Greg Popovich, and you just started hearing, you know, Hall of Fame players and Hall of Fame coaches talking about the Sacramento Kings and their pace of play. And yeah, we thought the Sacramento Kings were fast. It turns out they're actually a lot faster. And no matter what we thought about the Sacramento Kings and their pace last year, particularly through the first quarter, half or so of the season, Luke Walton thinks they can play faster. And this is, this is kind of where you get the, uh, you know, you've got really big eyes headed into this situation. You know when you're, you're really hungry and you go to the buffet and you load your plate up. You can't eat it all, but you're going to load your plate up as much as you can because you're starving. Well, I, I kind of feel like that's what Luke Walton is doing right now. He's, he's at the buffet, and he's got his plate loaded up because he's talking about, man, look at this. I got De'Aaron Fox, arguably the fastest player in the league. I got Marvin Bagley, who's been working all offseason on his outside game. You know, I've got Harry Giles, who is just, we believe he's just going to morph into this, just, just this massive basketball being that he was back in high school that, that, that captivated recruiters around the country's attention. And... Now he's got these big eyes of, oh, we're going to play fast. Not only are we going to play fast, we're going to play faster than they did last year. And we're going to play defense. And it's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute, bro. You're going to do both? Because historically, that's not something that works. And again, looking at Luke Walton and thinking, well, this is the first time we've got to hear from him because we saw what the Sacramento Kings front office did during free agency. And you've got the additions of Dwayne Dedman and, and, and Trevor Ariza and Rashawn Holmes and Corey Joseph. And you look at all those guys and you go, okay. There's a, there's kind of a, there's a common denominator there when you, look at their, when you look at the free agent acquisitions. And it's defense. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's actually not just defense. It's, you know, it's kind of those hustle plays. It's, it's, it's that grind. That's what Rashawn Holmes brings. That's what Dwayne, Dwayne Dedman means brings they're they're explosive they're equally as explosive on the offensive end as they are on on the defensive end or perhaps I probably should have phrased that they're equally as explosive on the defensive end as they are on the offensive end and that's you know that's that's kind of an indirect shot at Willie Cauley-Stein is we all know that Willie could fly out of the golden one center to catch an alley-oop but not to block a shot or to get a rebound Dwayne Dedman's not that you know, Rashawn Holmes is not that. So we saw this acquisition of players like, okay, you've locked up Harrison Barnes long-term. Like, all right. It feels like there is some semblance of a commitment to defense. And it's, okay, how is defense going to, how is defense going to factor into the pace of play? The biggest takeaway from free agency for the Sacramento Kings was they believe in their core. They believe in De'Aaron. They believe in Marvin Bagley and Buddy Heald. And, you know, to a certain degree, Bogdan Bogdanovich is involved in that. And there are, you know, other, other players. But I, I believe the core of the Sacramento Kings is, is, is Marvin Bagley and, and De'Aaron Fox. And I think Buddy Heald is a part of that as well. Buddy Heald's got to be salivating at this point where, you know, I, I think Luke Walton told, uh, I think it was Sean Cunningham he, uh, of ABC told, told him, Hey, uh, yeah, we might be looking at about 35 threes a game this, this year. <laughs> but you can almost hear the saliva falling out of Buddy Hills like, oh, oh, for real? Okay. You, you put me down for about, put me down for about half of those. Maybe, maybe, maybe about three quarters of those. I'm, I'm good with that. 
we said this last year, but Buddy Heald set the the franchise record for uh, most three pointers. He's going to break it this year, and that's just that's just kind of the way records are nowadays, particularly when it comes to you know three point records. It's the same in the NFL, you know, passing yards and touchdown records. Like those things keep falling because the game the game keeps evolving, and the game keeps favoring both both of those sports favor both of these sports favor you know fast pace offense and you know c- c- kind of the I, I think it's fair to call it the the Steph Curry era the, the the Golden State Warrior era this is a this is about the three-point shot and you look at you look at not just the conference that the Sacramento Kings are in but you look in the division that they're in where I've got the I've got the Clippers winning the conference so you know they're going to be near the top of that division I think one of the worst takes in all of NBA media is that the Golden State Warriors aren't going to make the playoffs. To me, that's absolutely insane. Golden State Warriors still a top-tier team, in my eyes. And then, of course, you got the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, I think the Los Angeles Lakers are a playoff team. I think they're going to be better than they were last year. I don't know that... I don't think the Lakers are a top-four team, but I think they're competitive. I think this, this is an extremely difficult division. Phoenix? Eh, I don't know. You, I like Monty Williams. Like you, they you still though. You know how I feel about Devin Booker, and if you don't, I think he's a smidge, maybe not even a smidge, maybe a lot overrated right now, at least at this point in his career. But you got to believe that they're they're going to at some point take some steps moving forward. Point in all of that is this is a really you know we focus so much on the conference and how difficult the conference is. This is a really difficult division that they're in. You know, playing the Lakers and, and, and the Clippers and the Warriors and, and even the Suns over and over and over again. This is a really difficult division. So you just talk about 35 threes, like, okay, we're rushing up and down the floor. We're going to be jacking up shots. All right. But Luke Walton has already set kind of a focus on defense. As a matter of fact, he opened training camp, he opened their first practice with defense. A lot of teaching. Uh, and then I give our guys a lot of credit. They were locked in. We only one contact practice a day, so we chose being, you know, a new group to, to use that tonight and get a lot of teaching done to, uh, this morning. So a uh, lot of a lot of attention to detail, um, and they were, you know, they did a really good job of picking it up. How much do you anticipate that continuing? The, you know, the teaching element. Yeah, we'll do it again tomorrow. Um, just because with the short, shortened training camp, uh, we got to get we got to get a lot of teaching in before we leave India. So, uh, you know, get it in, stay focused in the morning, come back and, and kind of execute it, and then learn from those mistakes, clean it up a little bit, and keep moving forward like that. He did just that. He opened up Sunday's practice with defense, just as he did Saturday's practice, and they've got kind of a mini. A mini three-day training camp here as they practice Saturday, Sunday. They're going to practice here today, and then they're going to hop on Air Drake and head to India. That was a, <laughs> that was a probably the most bizarre story that came out of the start of the Kings training camp. It felt like it, it was a really big deal what plane the Kings were taking to India. Well, they're taking Air Drake, and if you've seen the videos of the of the tour of that, I think it's a hundred and eighty something million dollar plane. It was really big. There were articles and tweets and De'Aaron Fox was asked about traveling on Air Drake and Marvin Bagley was talking about writing a new record while traveling on Air Drake. That was a a shockingly 
big story here is their transportation to India. But they're having the, the, that three-day training camp, two, two games in the books. Hopefully you're listening to this uh, on Monday morning. They're going to practice here again today before they head off to India for a couple of games against the Indiana Pacers. And, you know, true to his word right there, Luke Walton opened Saturday's practice. As you heard there, that was pro Saturday practice uh, with, with, with defense. And he did the same thing on Sunday. And we know when it comes to pace, when it comes to speed, like most people will tell you, most coaches will tell you, and I'm talking, you know, not just basketball coaches, but a- a- athletic coaches of any sort. It's, it's hard and borderline impossible to teach speed. Like you can improve mechanics and you can shave a little time off of your, your 40 or your sprint time or, or whatever. But in terms of like actual speed, like you, you're either you're fast or you're not. It's it's not really something that you get in there and teach. But defense, on the other hand, is defense something that you can teach? Because I've always said, you know, coaches do this all the time. You know, the training camp gets here, the first day of training camp. Like, a, a, a number of teams are, are going to be having their first practice here today when you're listening to this podcast. They're, they're going to they're, they're, they're have their first practices or they're going to have media days. They're going to have all this stuff. And you're going to hear coaches talking about playing sp- fast, playing, playing with tempo, particularly young coaches or first-year head coaches. You're going to hear a lot about the pace of play because in people's mind, it's like, well, this, this, is, this is how we're going to play. This is the way the game is going. Look, at you've got James Harden and Russell Westbrook in Houston. You've still got Steph Curry there. Eventually, Clay Thompson is going to return there in Golden State. You've got what the Sacramento Kings are doing. You've got this Los Angeles. You've got these teams that are just going to be they're going to be getting up and down the the the, the court. We've got to we've got to keep pace with them. Well, it's not that simple because every time you hear a coach talk about, didn't we hear this with you know a name that for some shall not be spoken here in Sacramento, but George Carl was it George Carl's whole thing pace? Yeah, there was one massive problem with George Carl's strategy that virtually every single person who covers the NBA outside of Sacramento knew. Yeah. Dog, you're not going to be able to do that with DeMarcus Cousins on your team. Oh, that didn't stop people from salivating over the thought of George Carl coming to Sacramento and coaching this team and teaching them to run up and down the court. Yeah, that dude ain't going to run. And it it didn't work because you didn't have the personnel. Now, we know from last year's experience, the Kings have the personnel to run up and down the floor. The Kings have the personnel to dictate the pace. The Kings have the personnel to frustrate even the most well-coached teams in the league. But do they have the personnel to play defense as well? You look back at some of the great defensive teams over the course of the last, you know, I don't know, decade or so. You, you, you know, I mean, coming to mind, those, the, the, the 08 Boston team where, where Tom Thibodeau was the essentially defensive coordinator. It's like, okay, you, you, you had some defensive things going on there. And then obviously he took over the Chicago Bulls and you start to look at that Chicago Bulls roster. And remember when, when, when Thibs was in, when he was in uh, Boston, he, he didn't just leave Boston. He waited. He waited for the right job to become available for him and the right job for him, given the way that he wanted to coach was that Chicago job. And you look at those defensive teams, you look at uh, the way that that Chicago team played defense. And then you start to look around at the roster and you go, Okay, Taj Gibson's a defensive guy. Now, it all looks different now because this was a decade ago. But you know, Derrick Rose was a, was a pretty solid defender, especially for a point guard. 
and Joe Kim Noah, Taj Gibson, you look around, you look at that group and go, okay, that, that group of guys fit Tom Thibodeau beautifully. It fit what he wanted to do. It fit how he wanted to, to execute his game plan on an 82 game basis. And you look at you, you you look at the Sacramento Kings and you go, okay, the Sacramento Kings, this roster, it fits dictating a pace. You go back to uh, say the Phoenix Suns teams or the Golden State Warriors, uh, you know, of, of of recent years of of running up and down the floor, getting up a lot of threes. You know, the, the what was it in Phoenix was it seven seconds or less. You know, off of the shot clock, you 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 get in, you get into the offense, you get those shot ups. You you're rarely getting in a half court offense, even on made baskets, you're getting in transition. So you go back and you look at this free agency class with Dwayne Dedman and Trevor Ariza and Rashawn Holmes and Corey Joseph, and you think, oh, okay. All right, maybe, maybe that personnel for teaching defense is there. Maybe you have the, the right group of, group of guys there, but is defense like speed? You can't teach speed. You can run. But you can't really teach a guy to be faster. Defense. I feel like with defense, because there's such a... Obviously, there's, there's, there's effort involved. But really with defense, I feel like there's a... It's almost like being book smart. You've got to know what the offense is going to do before they do it. And you've got to grind them just as hard defensively as you do offensively. Like, you push teams. The Sacramento Kings last year through the first quarter of the season pushed teams... To their limit offensively. They pushed them to the point of uncomfortableness offensively. Well, great defensive teams can do that. And there's, if the Kings are great offensively and defensively, we're not talking about breaking a 13-year playoff drought. We're talking about this, this team being in the finals, which, which is why the, the whole concept is so far-fetched. I mean, it's, I, I guess it's not far-fetched, but is anybody willing to say that the Sacramento Kings are going to be making the NBA Finals this year? Because like, that's, that's like when you look at a team and you go, they're great offensively and they're great defensively. Well, that team's in the Finals. Or that, that, that team is certainly playing at least in the Conference Finals. So it's like, where is Luke Walton going to devote most of his energy to? Two practices into the preseason, it's, he's, he's talking about defense. And he's talking about that being our priority. He's talking about we're starting camp with that. We've got to make a big jump defensively. And the 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 danger, well, kind of dangerous part about that is you can focus your attention on defense, and that's that's great. I think that'll get Kings fans excited. But you don't want to lose what you know what brought you to the dance, so to speak, as good old JR would say in the WWE, or AEW now, I guess. You, you, you don't want to abandon what got you there in the first place. You don't want to abandon what got the league's attention last year. You don't want to abandon what got Pops and Spoles and D-Wades and all those guys' attention. You, you, you want to still be fast, and you want to get into those transition threes, and you want to have an offense that makes defenses uncomfortable. You want to have an offense that gives, you know, that assistant coach who was scouting your team, you want to have an offense that makes them uncomfortable. You want to have an offense that when they're presenting the game plan, when you're presenting the breakdown to your team, 
you know, the night before that game or two nights before that game, you get a couple. <sighs> so this is what we're going to have to do, guys. You're going to have to watch Buddy over here. You're going to have to watch Bogey over here. And if you fall asleep, there's a good chance Marvin Bagley is going to be out there. Because, again, you know, Luke Walton was talking about taking 35 threes a game. He's talking about we're going to be tracking it. We're going to keep an eye on it. We're going to see where we're going here. We, we, we want to get that's, that's, that's the number we want to get up. All while playing defense. So there is a cause and effect here. If you're playing even marginally better defensively than you were last year. And we've tracked, you know, in previous conversations here on the podcast, we attempted to track you know, whether Luke Walton was a good defensive coach or a defensive-minded coach or if defense was even something that interested him. And we looked at, you know, the track of the Los Angeles Lakers. And he improved year after year as the defensive coach. We've said, you know, for years, the trajectory of the long, young Los Angeles Lakers, we thought was really, really good. Uh, the dynamic completely changed when you brought in LeBron James and, and you know, all of the characters that, that followed him. But the, the growth in defense was there with all the Luke Walton's teams. So there's something, there's something to this. There's something to him talking about defense. It's not empty talk because he's done it before. Again, even if we're talking marginally better, that means the Sacramento Kings are getting more transition points. Again, just slightly better defensively, the Sacramento Kings are getting more transition opportunities. And with more transition opportunities comes more opportunities to get to that 35 threes per game number. And, and that's not like a set in stone number where the team is, at least I don't think it is, where they're going to be punished if they don't get to 35 threes or, oh, we've got to jack up five threes here in the last five minutes to make sure we get to 35. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think it's, teaching the flow of the game like this is this is the pace we want to play offensively and never ever ever do we deviate from it we pay this we play this pace the thing for me is as we watch the early part of the season develop it's going to be difficult to get excited for anything that's happening in terms of you know pace of play because we saw it last year you know, barring an extraordinary, you know, 17 and five record or 17 and six record or something that just catapults them way above 500, barring anything like that. But if we're talking a, a winning record, you know, even a 500 record or just, you know, kind of competing with the rest of the teams, looking good in every, you know, every facet, it's going to be difficult to get excited because we saw that last year. You know, we saw them play really well through. We saw them play really, really well through the first quarter of the season. I think we saw them play moderately well through the first half, meaning the first 41 games, not the time before the All-Star break, but the first 41 games. And then it was kind of after that where it was, okay, it's getting a little bit difficult after that. And I think the last quarter of the season, just it did not go well for the Kings. Um, so it, I, I think it's going to be well into, I mean, after Christmas, January, that if things are going well for the Kings, it's going to be at that point where you really start evaluating this year versus last year. Because we don't want them to lose that intensity. Because it felt like that intensity fell off last year. I don't think teams got better. I don't think teams got comfortable. I don't think teams got, got comfortable with the pace that the, the Kings were playing. I just 
think that the Kings couldn't keep that same pace. And it's understandable because, you know, to lose, use uh, Luke Walton's words from this past weekend, it's a breakneck pace. And to maintain it for 82 games is extremely difficult. And now you hear Luke Walton talking about defense. And this is the point of the season where, okay, this is where the improved defense can come into play. Because if the Kings can't keep that pace, let's say, you know, instead of uh, the first 41 games of the season, let's say they're able to maintain it all the way until the All-Star break, which gets them, you know, say 50-plus games in. All the way to the trade deadline. Get you, get you right in around that number, 50-something games in. Now, all of a sudden, hey, if we're competing for a playoff spot, maybe our defense can get us into the playoffs because we're still functioning offensively, but we can't keep that 125-point-per-game uh, pace that we had to start the season. But if we can keep a strong pace, not make any stupid mistakes offensively, and just play marginally better defensively, suddenly that 39 wins maybe becomes 42, 43. Still, that wasn't good enough to make the playoffs last year, but still, how many games can you go through last year that the Sacramento Kings played in? And we go no further than the last game of the season against Portland. There's a number of games you could go through. Man, they blew a lead here. They blew a lead there. They blew this one. They blew that one. And suddenly you start. Now that happens to every team throughout the season. It's not exclusive to the Sacramento Kings. Maybe we're paying a little bit more attention to it than the other teams. But there's, you know, the Lakers can do the same thing. The Warriors can do the same thing. The 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 Oklahoma City Thunder, the, the Houston Rockets, every team can go through. Man, we blew this one. We blew this one. We blew a lead against this team. We blew a lead against that team. But you do that with the Sacramento Kings and suddenly you're at like, wow, wait a minute. This is 39, 40, 41. Man, suddenly we're at like 44 wins. And with a better defensive approach, perhaps that second stretch of the season brings you the four, five, six, seven more wins a season. And everybody keeps talking about how great the Western Conference is. Even, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich was talking about it this weekend, or everybody was talking about it this weekend, how stacked the the conference is. And that, that brought up a conversation about expectations and what the expectations are for the Sacramento Kings heading into the season, what the expectation that the Sacramento Kings players have for themselves headed into the season. And that's something that we'll talk about later on this week. Cause I thought they, they all gave, they all gave great answers. I, I go back to Vlade Divac talking to Rachel Nichols on the jump that we played for you uh, a couple of episodes ago when he was getting inducted into the Naismith basketball hall of fame. He was talking about, you know, they, I think Rachel flat out asked him, Hey, is this the year the Kings going to break this? This 13-year playoff drought, like, do, do you expect your team to be in the playoffs? And I thought Vlade answered the question perfectly. He was like, well, I expect us to be better. I expect us to make improvements. And that's essentially what the players said at media day and, and after the first and second practices. It's like you, you look around at the conference and you look at how deep the conference is, and everybody's talking about how difficult it's going to be to make the playoffs in this conference. But I think one thing that maybe is is getting overlooked is yeah the conference is really difficult there's there's that's not even a conversation how deep the western conference is but they all have to play each other so as difficult as it might be for the sacramento kings because they've got to go through Los Angeles and Los Angeles, and they got to go through Houston and an you know maybe Oklahoma City isn't the only team that Maybe they're the only team that didn't really like improve, but they're not trash. Like they're not 
they're they're not below the Phoenix Suns. They're not. I like. I think Oklahoma City is going to be better than Dallas, and maybe that's just because I'm hopping on this. I'm not buying the Dallas Mavericks uh, at all. Thing I'm I'm riding that horse this year because so many people are talking about. You know, you looked at the uh, ESPN came out with a list of like the top 100 players and um, headed into the season. Let me rephrase it. It's it's who they project to be the top 100 players uh, in this season. Who, who, who do they expect? You know, I think Giannis Antetokounmpo was number one. Kawhi was two. LeBron was three. And there was kind of a follow-up after the article was done. And these are great clickbait articles. They're great conversations. Everybody loves arguing lists. Like, it's great, it's great stuff. But what drove me nuts was everybody talking about how Luka Doncic, he was going to be the one to break into the top of the list next year. Like, well, really? Wow. He's that good, and I'm not quite, like, dude, the guy can go. But we've got him breaking into the top 10 next year? Like, in the NBA? Because you got a guy who averaged a triple-double for three straight seasons, and he's not in the top 10. But you're trying to convince me that Luka Doncic is going to be in the top 10 next year? Okay. So that just kind of, like, further cemented my I, I don't I don't know why I have these feelings to I don't, I don't I don't know why I have these like pent up emotions about people talking about how good Dallas is going to be this year because I, I just don't I don't buy it I got tremendous respect for Rick Carlisle uh, I think Kristaps Porzingis I, we haven't seen him be great we know what he can do but that doesn't make, mean that he's great on the Knicks, for God's sakes, which is part of the problem, by the way. When you're on the Knicks, you're insanely overhyped. I'm not saying that Kristaps Porzingis is overhyped. I'm just saying we haven't really seen him do anything. So let's, let's, let's pump our brakes a little bit on the Dallas Mavericks being the team of the future here and Luka Doncic going down as the greatest player that's ever existed. Let's hang on. But you've got all of these teams playing each other and suddenly, oh, it's going to take 50 wins to get into the postseason. Like, are you sure? Because, you know, Houston's got to play all the same teams that Sacramento has to play. And same with the Warriors and the Lakers and the Clippers. And the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are, you know, they're going to be fighting for something this year. All of these other teams, the San Antonio Spurs, who everybody's forgotten about because they always forget about the San Antonio Spurs and they're, until they're winning 50 games. And you realize, oh, okay, wait a minute. All these, and then what's Minnesota going to do? You go through all of these teams, like they're all playing each other, and suddenly, you know, this, this 50-win barometer, it's like, oh, well, wait a minute. Like, it's not a 50-win barometer anymore because Minnesota didn't fall off the face of the earth. Like, they're still fighting. I don't think they're going to make it, but that, oh, they're still lingering around there. Maybe Dallas is still lingering around there. And look at the team that finished ninth last year, the Sacramento Kings. Ah, they're still there. They're all still there because they've won enough games throughout the year, and these Western Conference teams have beat up each other enough to where maybe the marker now is 47 or 46, which I think is around where it was last year. But we're getting closer and closer to just putting an end to the talk, sitting down here on this podcast and evaluating games, not evaluating what we're going to see but evaluating what we just saw. And we'll spend some time because we've still got about a month to go. Uh, we'll spend some time later this week talking about expectations. I just mentioned that, how Bagley and, and, and Bogdan Bogdanovich and all of those guys talked about 
what the expectations are for, for this upcoming season. Luke Walton uh, did the same thing, and everybody is, is, is completely aware of how difficult this Western Conference is. Uh, so we'll have that coming up later on this week. Did you see the story about the, the new the, the grab-and-go store at the Golden One Center? This 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 is interesting. I'm I'm kind of fascinated by this. So just just a heads up, you, you got to download the the Sacramento Kings app, the Golden One Center app, right now. Like like download that right now before you go to any Kings games uh, this this uh, this season. And I think it's going to be open at, at concerts. So it, apparently, what it is is you can order food and drink through your app, and then just like go take it like you, you just go you just go into the store and pick it up um and like there's no cashier there's no nothing like that there's someone just monitoring it there's cameras there's sensors there are all of that stuff but uh you now you can get into the store i think by you you've got to have a like a, a credit card at the entrance or a, a, a debit card or some you know sort of plastic that you show i don't really know how all of that works uh but i know the idea is you order what you want through the phone, and then you just you just walk into the to the little area. You pick it up and and you roll out. I can't, I can't wait to see this, and it's going to be open during Kings games and concerts and all that stuff as well. So I'm I'm anxious to see this. But make sure you download the Sacramento Kings app, the Golden One Center app. Uh, there's an app called Zippin Z I P P I N. Make sure you download uh, one of those three apps so you can put this thing into practice. Uh, when the Sacramento Kings season gets its underway, and I'm I'm, I'm imagining, and I, I I don't know this for sure, just based on the timeline, it's not going to be open until the Kings season. So if you're headed to like WWE Hell in a Cell on, uh, uh, I think that's coming up this Sunday. I I don't know that it's going to be open for that, or or uh, open before you know if, if there's any concerts coming up uh, in October before the season starts. I don't think it's going to be open then. I think it's going to be open uh, when the season starts. So. Uh, just take note of that for those in the Sacramento area or for those who are uh, making the trek to the Golden One Center in this upcoming 2019-20 season. I'm so excited that Media Day is here. I'm so excited that these guys are practicing, and I'm so excited that we've got you know, less hypotheticals and more content to actually talk about here. And if you've got anything that you want to talk about, I've always said you could hit us on the text line at 916-888-5898. That is our 24-7 text line. But you can also leave voicemails there, too. Uh, if you want to chat, you want to give your thoughts on the Kings, you can call day or night, leave a voicemail. I'll throw it here onto the podcast, 916-888-5898. Just send your thoughts uh, about the Sacramento Kings. Uh, maybe send your thoughts on what your expectations are for this upcoming season, and we'll make sure we throw those into the podcast that's going to drop later on this week. Again, 916-888-5898. You can follow me across social media platforms at Damian Barling on Twitter. Uh, Instagram as well. Uh, search Damian Barling on Facebook. Hit the like button. Uh, and make sure you tell all your friends here, uh, all of your Sacramento Kings friends, about the podcast with Damian Barling. You could subscribe to the show. Never want you to miss a single episode. We're going to keep dropping them regularly here uh, all throughout training camp. And then once the season gets here, we'll drop them after every single Sacramento Kings game. Uh, so make sure you subscribe, uh, particularly those on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you rate and review the show. I know how many of you are listening through Apple Podcasts, just real quick, it takes a split second to leave a rating. Just hit that five stars, keep it moving. If you got an extra 60 seconds and you want to leave us a nice little review, that would be awesome as well. We're available everywhere, Google Play, Spotify, 
iHeart. We're available on Podbean. I had mentioned Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends as the season is quickly approaching. Again, you want to drop some thoughts here, what your expectations are for the Sacramento Kings. Do that at 916-888-5898. If you want some daily sports talk, uh, if you want some talk about the NFL or the other stories in, in major sports, I drop a daily sports podcast. Uh, it's called The Podcast with Damian Barling. You'll be able to find it on this very podcast platform that you're listening to this show on. doesn't matter where you're listening to this. Uh, just search The Podcast with Damian Barling, and uh, you'll get a brand new episode of Sports Talk each and every single morning. Thank you so much for listening uh, to the Sacramento Kings podcast here, presented by Hoop Ball and the Hoop Ball Podcast Network. We'll see you next time.